Welcome to the Club Soda Club. We're three friends, each with our own sobriety story, sharing our personal experiences and what we've learned along the way about leading a new alcohol-free life. Welcome to the fourth meeting of the Club Soda Club. Roll call, Jessica Chur is present. Derek Bolin? Yes, I am here. And Scott Graham? Yes, I am also here. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Ooh, all right. So in this fourth meeting, we're talking about relationships. This is this is a meaty one, I feel like. I think for so. For a lot of people, yeah. but also specifically me. And also me, <laughs> very much so. And somewhat me. I'm lucky in that my part, like my current partner is super easygoing. So like he doesn't care about <laughs> anything. <laughs> I don't know. That came Can out really frame wrong. that in a more positive <laughs> way? <laughs> he is very pleased with my choice, whatever it is. Drink, don't drink. He'll buy me kombucha. It's cool. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Scott, we still got to get you on that, uh, that train, pal. Nope. I'm leaving the, booch, leaving the booch behind. It's no good. We're going to convert you. It's going to happen. You're going to kombuch me? <laughs> We're going to convert oh, you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kombuch you so hard. <laughs> okay, well, now I'm getting interested. Anyway. Let's just scrape a kombucha bacterial culture off of him, and it'll last forever isn't that isn't like the kombucha oh, thing like where like the yeah. thing is immortal or something it <laughs> like, is but also you just ruined kombucha for me yeah. <laughs> a kombucha fan by thinking about scraping the bacteria off of i don't know if that was directed at me or scott but now i'm I think, thinking I think either it. way that's really nasty yeah and you're not yeah. yeah did nothing to sell me more on kombucha let me tell you <laughs> oh my god yeah, Craig. <laughs> we yeah. haven't even started talking I'm about done. relationships and I'm already crying. Yeah. So, <laughs> so speaking of uh, scraping bacteria. Oh my God. No, I don't have oh a good segue. Lord. I got nothing. Oh, we're not going to do the segue <laughs> thing in this podcast. Let's leave that to, to Derek's other podcast. Yeah. That's uh, uh, yeah. Shout out to the other podcast. Yeah. Uh, just because you started talking about how uh, Graham Graham already enables you <laughs> and supports you, do you want to do you want to lead off on this one and what your uh, your experience, uh, maybe both in in relationships where maybe maybe drinking was a little more uh, prevalent versus uh, the one you're in now. Well, that's not to say that the one I'm in now didn't involve heavy drinking in the beginning. Like we were definitely like weekend binge drinkers when we first started dating and like, um, like kind of, kind of how we started officially dating was we'd go running together once a week and then we'd end up at a bar to drink all the calories back. <laughs> um, okay. I respect that. Yeah. And then one time there were a lot of calories drunk back and then we ended up making out and then we were dating. So <laughs> Um, but he's great, great romance of the, oh, yeah. the 21st century. That's modern, I, I can't wait to tell our grandkids, except I'm not having kids, so that won't happen. But anyway, um, <laughs> no, so he is super supportive in, in everything. He's super cool. And so when I, all the times that I've said, I'm never going to drink again, he's always just been like, okay. Although interestingly, this last time, the time that stuck, he was like, yeah, you've said that before. <laughs> and I'm like, just watch me. I'm not drinking again, I swear. Um, but he was, he would, in the past, would surprise me by bringing me home a bottle of wine or whatever. 
And now he's just replaced that with kombucha, which I find to be like the most romantic thing because he still wants to like bring me home something. So he brings some brings home something that I can drink still, which is also nice so that because he still drinks, which is fine. Like, I don't care. It's not a trigger for me. Um, but he brings home something that I can drink so we can like still enjoy just sitting there having a cold drink together. So it's great. That's cute. Yeah. That's awesome. Shout out to Graham Graham for being Way so to go, great. Graham Graham. Friend of the pod, Graham Graham. <laughs> Best name ever. <laughs> um, but previously, um, before Graham Graham, I was in a different relationship with a different tone um, in that we also were really heavy drinkers. But I realized after the relationship ended that um, like we drank a lot together. But I, you guys, I don't know if you guys can relate. You probably can. But you don't really notice how much you're drinking until you kind of don't drink that much anymore. And you're like, wow, even if you like at that point, I didn't stop drinking when we stopped dating, but I stopped drinking every day and kind of just like reserved drinking for basically like if I was going out on a date or something. And then we have, so I owned a house with that guy. So we had to meet up after we stopped dating to sign papers or something. I don't remember the specifics, but I just picked like a sushi restaurant near my place and we went in there and one of the first things he noticed was that the place didn't serve alcohol and he actually got mad about that. And I was, I asked him, I'm like, why do you need to drink in this situation? We're just here to sign papers and, and you're, you're going to go and do whatever. Like you don't need, and it, I think it was like a Wednesday too. So it wasn't even like a weekend where he would like was in the mood to party or whatever. So it just kind of like made me realize during the relationship like I had a time to reflect after that and be like holy crap we drank a lot and like the fact that he was upset that he couldn't get a drink in that moment was kind of eye-opening to me in that like it just made me realize like holy smokes I'm so glad I got out of that relationship because clearly there was an issue there that I just couldn't see while I was in it yeah and it's one that's harder to see when you yourself are you know drinking as well right like that's going to be something that factors into my story is that uh, a previous relationship i had we were basically drunk like the first three months we knew each other uh and then when we had to stop drinking due to reasons um it was, oh, those it was pesky like, reasons. Those pesky, pesky reasons. <laughs> Always it was getting in the way like, of our fun. <laughs> it was like, what what else do we have in common now? And I feel like yeah. a lot of relationships kind of, uh, and maybe this is just me trying to validate my own, you know, former alcoholism, but I feel like a lot of relationships start out that way, like predicated on, on drunkenness. Like I think back to a lot of the dates I had the last time I was single, uh, when I was still drinking and it was just like, go out with someone, have a bunch of drinks, get as drunk as possible and kind of try and grow a, a relationship out of that. I don't know what it was like for anyone else. Yeah, that checks out. Uh, I, <laughs> that totally checks out with uh, just dating in general, I think. I will say, too, when I stopped drinking previously, not this last time, because I kind of had experience with stopping previously. I think we addressed that in a in a past episode. Um, but the first time I was like, no, I'm not drinking anymore. I was actually concerned that I would be boring to Graham or 
yeah, like we wouldn't have anything in common because a lot of the time when we spent seeing each other, we'd be drinking, even if we weren't drinking a lot, like we'd have a drink together. That was sort of just a normal thing. And I was like, oh shoot, am I going to be boring now? Is he going to find me boring or just uninteresting? Or am I not going to be funny anymore? Like (laughs) I was worried about these things, even though by then we'd been together for like four years. So like I was secure in the relationship at its state at that time, but I felt like this was such a huge change that I was worried it was going to have a really big impact. And thankfully it didn't obviously, but um, I don't know if, cause Derek, you had, you said you had that concern, but what about you, Scott? Cause you stopped drinking while you were with your wife. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a, sort of a similar uh, meeting story in that we, we worked together and then we would go out after work and go drinking and then, you know, one thing led to another and then we were living together. Wink, wink. Yeah. Not, yeah. yeah. As, as, as is want to happen. Yeah. Those, <laughs> yeah. Pesky, you those drink pesky reasons. Have a yeah. few drinks and suddenly you got a roommate. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, and we lived together for a long time, even before we had our daughter. Uh, and then our daughter was, I'm trying to do the math here, like five or six when I quit drinking. And uh, I, I think that, I didn't realize how much both of us drank uh, until I stopped. But Lindsay, uh, I was worried about the same stuff that uh, we wouldn't have anything in common because all we ever did was to have fun was to go out and get drinks, right? Whether we got a babysitter or if it was just at home or whatever. Um, But luckily she's been a fantastic partner and very supportive and she'll do the same thing except without kombucha. She'll come home with, uh, uh, just various like soda waters or non-alcoholic beer or whatever. Um, and her drinking has actually really slowed down too. She still drinks, but not to the extent that either of us used to. Uh, and it's been great. And I, I still kind of look back at our relationship prior to when I quit drinking and wonder how the hell we're still together. Like it's insane, but we made it work. And, uh, I think both of us, I'm going to speak on her behalf here because, uh, that's just what I do. Uh, she's not on the podcast. So if she wanted to get on the podcast, she'd have to ask and I'd just say no, <laughs> but, uh, uh, I think, uh, sorry, I Lindsay. Think we're both, uh, no, don't be sorry. She knows what she's, she's done here. <laughs> I, I think, I think that both of us are, are much happier with, uh, our lives at this point than we were previous, uh, to my sobriety and her just sort of lowering the amount she drinks, which has worked out great for both of us. And we're both better parents. We're more supportive of each other. We have way uh, different hobbies than we used to that aren't self-destructive. And uh, yeah, it's been great. She's, she's been awesome. So in a way she's been uh, indirectly or directly benefited by, by your sobriety as well. And I would like to take credit for that. Yes. Yeah, I think you've earned yeah. the right for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would also like to take credit for the fact that it seems that Graham has also started drinking less. It's definitely something I've noticed in the sober community that if you have a significant other who uh, still drinks, they tend to drink a lot less. Uh, and if they don't drink a lot less, generally they just leave. Ooh. Yikes. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It goes, yeah, it goes one, of it goes both one ways. way or the other. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that's true. So you'll you'll find a lot of these couples that that were predicated on alcohol have a yeah. tendency to kind of like it enable each other. Like they'll just they'll they'll build like they'll plan dates around drinking. They'll they'll get drunk before they like open up and share anything about themselves. And it gets to a point where it's like, well, I thought I was operating under the assumption that you wanted to do that, and they were doing the same for you. Yeah. And as a result, yeah. all, all you really do is is uh, is drink. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Totally. I think I think we all know people that have taken like couples that have taken vacations together that are completely centered around alcohol. I know some people that went to Europe and every single picture they took was of a brewery or beer. And I thought, you know, you go all that way, you can just stay home and get yeah, drunk for a lot cheaper. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of traveling with partners and alcohol, I definitely remember. I think I told the story about Mexico in well, one of in the sober travel episode. Um, yes, yeah. I distinctly remember on that trip, right before and leading up to it, I was actually in a really bad place in that relationship. Like we were pretty much on the way out, and like hardly talking to each other. So the, well, one thing that helped, I think is that I was grateful that we met people on the way down there. So we had like a buffer between us. This is so sad to actually talk about now that I'm thinking about it, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) um, but pretty much the only reason we got along on that trip is because we had to, we drank so much. Like, I don't think we would have talked to each other if we didn't have alcohol in us pretty much 24 seven and also like a, a couple of really cool people to hang out with as well. But even I think if we had those people, but we're not drinking, like we wouldn't have talked, like it just would have been a really, I mean, it was a really bad vacation, but it would have been so much worse. Um, which is really sad. Like, I feel like if you, if you feel like you need to drink to be able to enjoy time with your partner, like that's, I just feel like people should try not, try not doing that and see how, see how it goes. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it's like alcohol plays a lot of roles in relationships. Like it's, it's kind of the lubricant that gets a lot of relationships started. Could we figure out a better word than (laughs) lubricant there? Possibly. I'll, I'll go back and edit that. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the, the relationship lubricant. It becomes this, um, uh, it can actually like drive a, a wedge in relationships. Like how many people do you know who, you know, get, get drunk. They're a happy functional, maybe not a happy functional couple, but it can really like they'll get drunk and, and fight or it'll drag all these problems to the surface that, that they're trying to keep repressed. And then oh, it also kind of sure. becomes, becomes this crutch that like, if you're having relationship problems, you, you either uh, drink to, to cope with those or you, you drink to surface them or you drink to spite your partner. or um, So it seems like if, if you like evaluate the impact of alcohol on relationships into like different phases, it seems like over the timeline of a relationship, alcohol really becomes a much more negative influence than a positive one. If it was ever a positive one to begin with. I'd like to hear your perspective, Derek, in your current relationship, because you're both sober and you've both been sober since you started dating. And I know your relationship is a bit of an anomaly because it's a long distance relationship, but I'd still, I, yeah, I still think you'd have a really interesting perspective on not going through those, like sort of what you think of as a typical mating ritual when it comes to sharing alcohol and all of that. 
Yeah, it's it's wild. So uh, Kate and I actually met and I'm using air quotes because we met on a dating app um, because we were both sober. So uh, I had uh, that I never drank in my Bumble profile and she had her Bumble set to filter for people who never drank. So when I was in Philadelphia for work uh, where she lives, uh, we ended up matching as a result of that. Um, and uh, it's been it, I, foundationally, it, it feels like uh, a much stronger relationship. And I say this not to disparage any other relationships I've been in, um, because I'm, you know, I, I know a lot of people uh, who listen to this also know uh, my exes, yeah, one in yeah. particular. <laughs> I don't want to like cut that relationship down for know. the sake of this new one. But um, it it feels like because we haven't had to uh rely on alcohol for for any of that we haven't we're not going to have that moment in like three months where we're like oh shit do we actually have anything in common like we've had uh really sober meaningful conversations with each other right out of the gate we've we've kind of um actually just wrote like a 1500 word blog post about this <laughs> so I'm, i can i can go on about it at length please do um, but <laughs> we we ha- we've um I guess because of the sobriety um, and she's been sober for uh, shit. Am I going to get this wrong? Two years. I went three job, years. Kate. Uh, and I've been yeah, sober Kate. for three and a half. We're pretty close to the um, same amount. Wait, she's been sober mm. for two. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and we, because of the work that that we've kind of done on ourselves uh, in in that time, I think we feel more comfortable with just the the people that we are. So we don't feel like we have to. Um, I look at myself before and I got drunk all the time because I didn't like the person I was and I had this persona that I had to show up as and and put on uh, just so that people would like me. And I think. Uh, as a result of of the work we've both done, we're both a lot more comfortable kind of showing up authentically and, and just being ourselves in this relationship. And as a result of that, we we know that we legitimately love each other for the people that we are. And we feel more trust that that like I don't have any doubts about how she feels about me. Uh, and I don't think that she only enjoys some like artificial manufactured side of me uh, and not drinking has has played a big role in, in bringing that to the surface for both of us and uh, in in allowing us to, to kind of discover and, and explore those things about ourselves uh, without having to get fucked up or, or rely on alcohol for that crutch. Yeah, see, that's really interesting because you guys essentially you know each other there's no hiding behind alcohol or drugs or whatever there's no personality enhancers right like you are what you are and yeah absolutely yeah that's that's really cool i feel uh, i don't know how it is with you and graham jess but for me and Lindsay too like we never really knew each other until the last few years Uh, i can honestly say that like we loved each other but not in like a really super deep way because I think we always had that crutch and that um that mask of 
whatever, whether it be alcohol or whatever, we just weren't ever really ourselves. And now that we are, and we can just be ourselves pretty much all the time, you, you find out real quick, whether it's, it's really real or not. Yeah. I think for me, it might be too soon to tell. The only thing that I notice that's really different is more about myself as opposed to us together. And it's that the silly and dorky things that I used to do in front of him when I was drunk that I wouldn't do when I'm sober is now stuff I just do all the time. Like I, da- I, da- I dance yeah, like an idiot awesome. in front of him for no reason. I'll just like jump, I'll just like jump through yeah. the door and then like start like wiggling my butt. And he's just like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know, just felt like doing that. Like stuff like that, <laughs> that I would just like do when I was drinking. And like, you're like, ah, you're just being drunk. You just, that's what you do. And I'm like, no, I'm just, now I'm just like, no, I'm just being a dork. Cause I'm a dork. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome though, because all those parts of your personality that you think you need yeah. alcohol for them to come out, like to be socially accepted, to be comfortable speaking with people, to be yourself with your partner, whatever it is, like they're all in there. You don't need alcohol or whatever to, to be that person. You are mm-hmm. that person. You just, when you don't have that crutch, that stuff still yeah. comes out. You're still quirky and funny and whatever it is you think you're not without the alcohol, you yeah, totally still are. still learning that. Yeah. I want to add, uh, Scott, you said something interesting there about feeling comfortable to be yourself with your partner. I think uh, without a doubt, the the biggest part is feeling comfortable to be yourself with yourself first. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Above all else. Yeah. Like, like accepting that you're a quirky person and allowing yourself to just do that, like goofy, dumb shit um, (laughs) and, and loving yourself for it. And even that act and just like accepting yourself for the way you are and showing up as yourself and being like, this is, this is just who I am uh, for better or worse. uh, Your, your partner can absolutely see that and they can appreciate you uh, for, for showing up that way for them and, and maybe feel more comfortable showing up that way themselves. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Just want to be myself, man. I just, that's, isn't that all anyone wants? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's true. Yeah. I will say so like my, my previous, uh, relationship before this one, um, it, it was that relationship where we were just, we were drunk for the first three months. We knew each other, like anything, uh, any, anything we did, we were getting drunk. Um, every day we had, we were getting drunk. And then, uh, three months in, we found out we were having a kid together. <laughs> and that, that was the reasons, um, that, that we, Oh, I say we had to stop drinking. She had to stop drinking. I probably started drinking hmm. more. Uh, although that was over time. Like I did, I did stop drinking at first due to, um, due to, you know, mm-hmm. solidarity and, and wanting to support her. And then uh, as I turned to being like, Oh fuck, what's happening? <laughs> like I need to cope with this situation. Uh, I started drinking more and more and more and more progressively throughout our relationship. And it just like, so we went from three months, not really even knowing each other or having anything in common. Like we did have things in common. I want to clarify that, but like we didn't, 
we spent that first three months just getting drunk together and not really building a foundation for a relationship. And then all of a sudden it was like, bam, now we're pregnant. And then it was bam. Now I'm going to continue getting more and more drunk to cope with this situation. I've kind of backed myself into, uh, which is how it felt for me a lot of the time. And, you know, obviously we are not still together because I think a lot of the damage that was done in those early probably early couple of years just kind of, you know, continued to, to hang around us until uh, the relationship ended a few years later. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's weird to think about previous relationships and how much alcohol had a factor in them. Like I was married once before I was with Lindsay, I married my high school sweetheart and uh, she was like very, against me drinking at all and i think that made me want to drink more (laughs) yeah 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 and you know we were in our early 20s and and uh and all of that like way way too young to get married didn't know what we were doing and uh um i think that ultimately might have been part of what drove us apart was me trying to sneak around these rules that were imposed upon me that i felt weren't fair uh because i was a grown-up now and I can do what I want. You're like, and, I left uh, my that, parents. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> why, did, yeah. why are you like, trying to replace them? <laughs> totally. But yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, man. But uh, it, 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 looking back on it now, I can see that, you know, part of that sort of probably made me drink more than I would have otherwise. And it turns out that I don't think she drank as little as I think she did too, but maybe I'm wrong about that, but I just sort of got that feeling at the time. But uh, yeah, just looking through the lens of sobriety on not just relationships of the past, but a lot of things that happen in your past. It's uh, it's really an eye opener. It can be kind of overwhelming at times. Scott, can I, can, can I ask, uh, did she have a problem with your drinking specifically because of like, she thought you had a drinking problem or because of how you were when you were drunk or did she just kind of have a, uh, a general, uh, moral, uh, opposition to, to drinking? I think it was just like a general opposition to drinking. Um, it wasn't, she wasn't like, um, religious or, or, you know, anti, alcohol in general. Uh, and I don't think at the time that my behavior, cause I didn't really drink that much. Right. Uh, and I didn't binge drink. I didn't really do any of that, but so it wasn't really affecting my behavior or my temper or anything like that. But, uh, just because, uh, I felt like I had these rules imposed upon me that didn't seem like they needed to be there that I had to like push against them, you know? And, uh, yeah, well, I, especially early, early twenties, you're very oh, much like, yeah. I'm a man, I'm making my own way in the world. You know, I don't have to live by anyone else's rules except my own. Yeah, so yeah. 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 20s, yeah. like you're an adult, but you're still really dumb. Like, <laughs> Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, very <laughs> much so. <laughs> People don't even have fully formed brains until they're like, what, 25, like 26. That, yeah. So something like that. Yeah. 46. <laughs> 
<laughs> still a work in progress. Well, I'm there. Day, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Can you make up the brain cells that you lost drinking? I'm just asking oh, for a friend. Yeah, I think sci- scientifically sobriety generates new brain. I mean, I certainly feel smarter than I, I did. I feel like point. my yeah. brain has uh, more capacity, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think that's just a concentration thing, too. Well, right? I, At least it is yeah, for me. I think but. that's part of it. And also just, yeah, yeah, less, I, I don't think about drinking anymore and where I'm going to, when I'm going to drink and what I'm going to do on the weekend. So, uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. There's more time to think about other things. <laughs> so, um, Scott, I want to touch on this because I know, uh, and, and Jess as well, I'm actually sorry too. for cutting you off there. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Um, I know for a lot of people, and I know for me, it was kind of a point of contention where I decided to sober up in, in when I was in a relationship with somebody who still drank and I did go to a couple AA meetings. And one of the only things that really stuck with me coming out of those meetings was they were like, okay, you cannot mandate the behavior of other people. You can't tell your partner that they're not allowed to drink anymore just because you decided to stop drinking. Um, so I'm wondering for people, cause there's probably a lot of people who are out there right now who are on the fence about committing to sobriety, but they're in a relationship with someone who they know still drinks and who they know isn't ready to give up drinking. Um, what's, what's some advice you guys would have on, on how to navigate that? Cause I did a really shitty job of it in my previous <laughs> relationship. Uh, Jess, Jess, you take this one first. Cause uh, I don't know if I have yeah, a ton to say um, about it. To I mean, that's honest. really tough because like Derek said, you can't control what other people do. And like Scott said, if you try to control what other people do, like his previous wife did, that's just going to drive them away. I think, I mean, if you're, if you're lucky enough like me to have a really supportive partner, then it wouldn't be an issue. If it's more that you're concerned that their drinking is going to be a trigger for you, then I think that probably requires maybe more help than we could offer on this podcast. You might at that point want to start looking at maybe trying AA or another supportive uh, professional help or some kind of community. But um, for myself, I would just take what Derek said, which is you can really only control what you can do. And so if you want to stop drinking, then just try it, just try not drinking and, but communicate with your partner so that if it's like the, you know, the sort of routine that I had with Graham, where he would bring me home a bottle of wine, he needs to know that I'm not going to drink that wine. So don't bring it home, you know, um, things like that. Like just communication is always super important in a relationship, regardless of what it's about. And I think that's probably the first step. Yeah, that actually reminded me of uh, a recent interaction I had with Lindsay about uh, her wanting a bottle of wine. And she asked me if I could pick her one up. And I, w- I have been OK doing that. Uh, but this last time I went and I just felt super weird inside the, the liquor store just looking at all the people in there and like sort of seeing myself reflected back. And I ended up, I tried to get her a bottle of wine, but I couldn't actually find the wine that she wanted. Um, so I just came home and I just said, you know what? I don't really want to do that anymore. And she's like, yeah, okay, no problem. I totally get it. And that was awesome. Like she was just like, yeah, no problem. Don't worry about it. Good for you for for planting that flag. Cause I know, um, 
it was it was the same thing for me like uh courtney would would ask me uh to like stop and, and grab her booze all the time and i always did it and i feel like i didn't communicate that there were times where i didn't feel comfortable doing that yeah. um and i just ended up you know resenting her as as a result of that which is not fair to her at all no, because I, I never once said i'm yeah. not okay with it just to to circle back on that though i i think i felt uncomfortable with it for way longer than i realized and i probably should have said something sooner but you eventually did so yeah it's tough it's tough yeah i did but it's it's a hard thing because you it's like well i'm not buying this for me and like i don't really want to say no to my partner because they're so supportive of my thing but it just you know if you're not comfortable with it, that's uh, not just for sobriety, but that's like a key to anything in a relationship. You just have to tell them what you're yeah. feeling. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's a really interesting point uh, that I think you just indirectly brought up is, is there a kind of uh, sober person's not remorse, but do you feel obligated to maybe support is the wrong word, but, but to like enabling, um, be well be non-judgmental of your partner's drinking because they are being supportive of your sobriety and i wonder if that's something that a lot of other people experience as well yeah i think so i, yeah, I think so I would that, say so that uh i tend to overlook um stuff not particularly with Lindsay, but with other people in my life and and the amount that they drink i tend to just sort of let it slide because they've been so supportive of me and understanding and accepting but uh, it gets tough sometimes. Yeah, I would say the same. Um, like like I said, Graham still drinks and he drinks less, but he still, um, you know, like every now and then he'll have like a binge drinking night and I'm fine with that. Like that's his choice. Um, I took, a, took care of him when he had a hangover a couple weeks ago, brought him food. Like, I don't know, I guess, again, I feel like it's a bit new. So it's not to the point where like, Oh God, this is happening all the time. And I feel like I'm constantly having to look after him or whatever. Cause that's not really the issue, I guess. But, um, yeah, like I guess maybe down the road, I might have more issues with it after it's been a while maybe, but so far I feel, I feel fine. Um, again though, like every relationship is different. And so I think as long as you're just continually communicating even like, so what I was going to say earlier, Scott, when you said that you, you had that feeling of, of discomfort for a while after you, you know, had been going and getting wine for Lindsay, um, you know, part of me thinks, well, maybe you didn't say anything right away because you were like, oh, maybe it's just this one time, or maybe it's just, I feel weird these days, but it'll go away because it didn't bother me at first or whatever. Um, so yeah, I would just say maybe communicate your yeah. feelings sooner rather than later if you can, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see, I guess, as my sober journey goes on, what happens with that. Yeah, and I and I I don't know. I I don't want to say that I'll always be uncomfortable with it, but just for now, it's not somewhere that I particularly want to be. Yeah. 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 That's fair. I mean, you know, I would I wouldn't make a sober person uh, stop by their drug dealer's place and like fetch me cocaine, right? True. Or, like, <laughs> I would that wouldn't that. you must. Yeah, so I I think like, <laughs> I, I think alcohol is is yeah it's definitely the same thing. Like it's I don't it's know your why boundaries. that's funnier to me though. Is that bad? 
What? It's just a funny well, concept. I think because alcohol is so Send a sober guy to do it. They'll never suspect a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think it's funnier because wait, I'm giving people so, tips here. because yeah. alcohol is just social, so socially acceptable that like the the other version of that is so outrageous. But it's like Derek was saying, it's kind of the same thing, especially when people are addicted to something. You know, just because it's socially acceptable yeah. and so, sold in stores all over the place doesn't mean it's an issue. It doesn't mean it's not an issue for someone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, you know, legalizing cannabis doesn't all of a sudden make people not total stoners. (laughs) Yep. Controversial opinion. Anyways. Is it? Uh, It is with people who smoke uh, a lot of pot. (laughs) I see. Yep. (laughs) Hey, quick. Question for you guys, and this is just for my my own curiosity. Uh, I do not, I do not like. I'm f- full sober from everything, but I know uh, there is some debate in the sobriety community over whether you can still designate yourself as sober if if you just quit drinking alcohol, but you still smoke weed. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think it depends on the person, and. Uh that's such a fucking no 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 no, no. i think it does i I feel like alcohol and uh and marijuana affect people very differently or at least they Mm -hmm. can you know depending on the person uh, i see i think there's a lot more medicinal benefits to marijuana than there is to alcohol if used properly uh i mean i don't smoke weed and uh i'm fully sober other than coffee and the occasional antihistamine, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, yeah, I I think, I don't know. I don't, I don't marijuana for me, that would be like smoking cigarettes. If you're sober, as much as it's not good for you, I don't think you're going to how even drinking go into like a a rage and yeah exactly do you know what i mean it's like a stimulant yeah i don't know i feel like with marijuana it's a bit of a slippery slope because yeah it can be prescribed by a doctor if you have certain medical conditions but so can a lot of addictive medications right so it's like yeah i think there is i think there is totally there's a plate uh, for it addiction there is addiction around uh Mm -hmm. marijuana and i think it's sort of scientifically uh, accepted that there is addictive qualities to it. And I think that if that becomes a problem and you're using it as a crutch in your life, just like alcohol, yeah. then yeah, you should probably not smoke it anymore. It totally depends but on the intended it, it depends intention on, yeah, that you're using it totally. with. Yeah. I will say though that I yeah. do use CBD oil, which has no psychoactive effects. Um, I use it for anxiety and for sleep, but it it has no THC in it. So you actually don't get high from it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Also, I'm pretty sure they're putting CBD in everything now. Uh, And that's going to be one of those things where in like 10 years, they they look and they'll be like, oh, the content of the water in the ocean is actually like 80% CBD because of all the CBD products we (laughs) made. When I was in Portland, Portland, they had um, at one of the donut, at the donut place we went to, Blue Star Donuts, they had CBD in their donuts in some of them. That's the most Portland yeah. thing I've ever heard in my life. That's yeah. incredible. Anyway, so, but <laughs> yeah, I, otherwise I think with marijuana specifically, it just depends on why you're using it. You know, if you're using it because you have medical conditions that, you know, make you make it really hard for you to eat or lose your appetite and you're like, you know, you're underweight because you're not eating enough, then perhaps if your doctor says this will help, then 
yeah, like, I think that's okay. Or for example, when I was really sick, um, and we were having our first meeting about this show, I made a comment about needing to go home and take NyQuil. And <laughs> I felt a little bit of judgment from you, Derek. I'm not going to lie. You, you made some comment about not being able to call myself sober because I was taking cough medicine. And I was, I, I wanted, oh I God. honestly wanted to like, <laughs> yeah, Derek, you monster. I was about to throw down in Starbucks to be like, excuse <laughs> me, I would like to sleep. And also it feels like the inside of my throat is raw from coughing. So I'm going to take cold medicine and it does not mean I'm not sober. Sorry. I just started. Yeah. yeah <laughs> anyway, no, no. I just That was absolutely <laughs> a joke at the time. Um, but it's interesting. Cause I, I have my wisdom teeth removed, uh, what, like a month ago. Oh, I guess. Saw the oh, I was, yeah, I was actually was curious about that, but you I didn't saw, ask because I felt like it would be insensitive, but yeah, tell, tell us. Um, so I have my wisdom teeth removed and Kate actually asked me, she was like, are you going to take the, the painkillers that, that they prescribe you? Uh, do you feel like that conflicts with your sobriety? And I was, I was honestly like, Didn't holy shit, like that hadn't yeah. even crossed my mind. Yeah. I was just going to like take the painkillers and get high off the painkillers and then, you know, go on being a, a sober person. But she actually like made me stop and think about it. Uh, and I ended up not using them. And luckily it was, it was good enough that I didn't have to, like, I just got by on like Advil and Tylenol, but, uh, yeah, I mean, knowing myself, um, even like the, the pills are still sitting in my cupboard. I was a person who would like 100% take Tylenol threes to get high back in the day. <laughs> so, um, I don't know that I, could have done that and still felt like, like it made sense for my sobriety. Um, but again, that's, that's my sobriety. That's not anyone else. I'm yet. curious. I've, I had my wisdom teeth taken out and I had been prescribed Tylenol three. And I mean, mind you, it was a while ago, but everyone was like, Ooh, Tylenol three, Tylenol three. And I was like, I don't feel anything. Like what the fuck are you guys talking about? I don't feel anything. Like I'm just, I feel like maybe my mouth hurts a little less, but like, I didn't feel anything else. I was like, what's everyone on about? Like, this is nothing. Yeah. I think that if you're the kind of person that gets excited about getting prescribed Tylenol threes, then this is probably a really good podcast for you to listen to. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Or co-host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh do you guys want to do uh rec yeah. recommendations what are you doing instead of drinking uh right now oh, i got a good one you ready no well, i mean not right now but yeah scott take i'm it reading away. a book it's called wanderers and it's by chuck wendig and everybody should read it it's amazing it's super long though Is but anyways it's really good fiction what's it about it's fiction and it's about um these people that just just start walking. It's kind of a, like a zombie thriller sort of hmm. weird. And there's also like some AI stuff in it. And it's like set in the near future. This sounds right up my um, alley. Yeah. There's a lot of like political stuff, a lot of um, weird, like uh, CDC and AI related. Uh, so, yeah. I it's mean, so sorry, good. What's the author's name again? Yeah. Chuck. Chuck Wendig, W-E-N-D-I-G. -E and also you should follow him on Twitter because he is amazing. Cool. Thanks for that. Yeah. One of my best Twitter follows ever. Chuck Wendig, at Chuck what Wendig. What about me? Him there. He squares. <laughs> well, you're second, but he squares a lot and it's, it is okay. the best. Cool. Yeah. Wanderers. Yeah. Sounds good. I'm going to, I'm going to probably yeah. try and pick that up. 
add it, it to out. my ever growing giant pile of books to read. Oh boy, me too. Okay, I'll go next. <laughs> so I found this is kind of silly, but um, I want to save my because we were going to potentially talk about sleep for this episode, and I have a really good recommend related to sleep. So I'm going to save that in case we do revisit that topic later. Um, but I, while I was waiting for you guys, found a website called randomlyinspired.com. And oh, yeah, you sent you I, sent that to us, right? So they have a few weird things that I haven't really explored. But the one thing, if you go to that website and then click on the tab called No Views, it's going to take you to a YouTube redirect. And it basically takes you to videos on YouTube that have zero views. So while I was playing with it, while I was waiting for you guys, I saw two separate groups of Indian children dancing, one baby sneezing, one video on how to pronounce the letters E-G-I-G-E or something. It was just repeating the letters I-G-E over and over again. It was so weird. And then this weird video, just like some psychedelic like thing. I don't, I can't even describe what it was. It was so weird with like this really creepy, like really quiet music. I had to turn it off because I was actually scared. I was like, oh my God, am I going to get brainwashed? What is this? <laughs> anyway it's so weird and um i also i walked the reason i found it is because i found a youtube video of people reacting to this website and the views that they were or the videos that they were getting served so immediately i was like that sounds amazing i could waste so much time on that and thankfully the videos that they're showing you aren't super long like i think the longest one was like 16 minutes but that was the creepy one and i had to turn it off anyways the other ones are like less than (laughs) 10 minutes and they're just like super random and weird and fun so yeah, randomlyinspired.com. Nice. That sounds cool. That sounds awesome. Plus, you have to think you will be the only person yeah. to be served up that video because after you view it, exactly. it doesn't have and zero what if views. It, and what if it's like amazing? Like, what if you find the next viral video? That was all I was thinking about. I was like, I'm going to find the next really cool thing. <laughs> uh, that's what you're going to do when we're done recording. Go invest uh, an hour in trying to find the next yeah, viral we'll mega. Maybe hit. that'll be my recommend for next next episode. <laughs> nice. Um, so in the, the relationships vein, I wanted to, uh, recommend a couple of apps actually that, uh, Kate and I use that are really cool. Um, we use this one called, uh, happy couple. Um, it's a really simple app. You sign up with your partner. Uh, it basically asks you, you got five questions a day where it asks you a question about your, your own feelings towards yourself and then your feelings towards your partner or what you think your partner would feel about like a certain topic. Um, and you score points whenever you match and get it right. And, uh, if you get it wrong, it it just tells you that you were a mismatch on it, but we do this app, we do our five questions every day and it's amazing. Like the, the things we've been able to, uh, learn about each other in a new relationship using this app. That's kind of fun. Yeah, that sounds called happy. That sounds I actually recommend it to every couple I know, like even if they've been together for like four or five years, because a lot of this stuff isn't stuff that just like comes up in casual conversation. But it's also a good way to test your knowledge of your your partner and see, uh, do I I actually be more curious about that aspect of it? Like, how much do I actually know about Graham Graham? I don't know if I could get him on it, though. He's really tough to get into (laughs) stuff like that. I mean, you you definitely know his name. Yeah. So that's that's a start. (laughs) <laughs> really really well uh the other one is called uh love cards it's from the uh do you know john gauman he's like one of the like foremost uh 
relationship uh, researchers and and therapists uh, in the world. Um, him and his wife, he's they've written like you know five or six books together. They're all amazing, um, and they they have an app, and it's it's basically the same thing. It's just it's called Love Cards. It's totally free. It's got uh, a bunch of questions in a bunch of different categories that you can sit down uh, and just ask ask your partner. Uh, to their face and and find out how they respond to that. So if you use those both in conjunction, you should know absolutely everything there is to know about your partner. uh, And then you can decide if you still want to be with them or not. (laughs) The end. end. Maybe they don't want the apps. (laughs) I like the first, I like the first one better. (laughs) I like my life right now. Maybe I don't want these apps. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, don't don't rock the boat. Don't yeah. rock the boat. What have I done? <laughs> curse, curse you, Derek. Cool. Well, I think this concludes the fourth meeting of the Club Soda Club. Any further? Anyone have any further business? Yeah, that was, uh, oh, you can. Uh, hey, thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Herder if you would like. And I would also like to give a shout out to uh, my girlfriend. Kate has a uh sobriety related instagram along with her best friend who is also named kate uh and they are called the sober kate plural Plural. check it out nice she's they're both scott any further business for you no 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 but you can uh follow me anywhere on the internet at wflbc and uh yeah. Plug, plug the Star yes, Wars podcast. Yeah, the Kenobi cast. Yeah, the Kenobi cast. Two episodes deep. It's uh it's great. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> Check it and out. And you can follow me <laughs> at Jess <laughs> underscore underscore couture on Twitter and at Jess Couture Art on Instagram. Jess, oh, yes. also plug so your I have podcast. another podcast that I do where I interview my creative friends and soon to be other creative people because I'm going to run out of creative friends at some point. It's called Creative on the Side, and it's a podcast about finding passion beyond the nine to five. So I talk to people about what they do outside of their day job to keep their creative spark alive and get their creativity out into the world. Cool. All right. Nice. Meeting adjourned. Meeting adjourned. Meeting adjourned. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer, nothing in this podcast constitutes medical or professional advice. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, there are a number of resources available. We'll link to these resources in the show notes for each episode so that you can get the support you need.